Throughout this year, Concerned Women for America has been celebrating our 40th anniversary. 40 years promoting biblical principles and pro-women policies. We'll share highlights of a remarkable anniversary gala with you next. From the nation's capital, this is Use Your Voice with Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America. Here's your host, Penny Nance. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Use Your Voice. I'm Penny Nance, CWA CEO and President. Having passed 40 years as an organization, we took the time in September to celebrate and to revisit how much God has moved and accomplished through CWA over these four decades. You heard highlights from our incredible founder, Dr. Beverly LaHaye, President Trump, and Vice President Pence speaking at our gala during last month's podcast. But that was only the tip of the iceberg. During the celebration weekend, we heard from the amazing Governor Mike Huckabee as well. Listen to some of the wisdom Mike Huckabee shared. You know, if you remember when the congressman from Georgia, Hank Johnson, said in a congressional hearing that he was afraid that if we positioned 10,000 U.S. troops on the island of Guam, that he was afraid that the additional weight of those soldiers would cause the island of Guam to tip over. If you have not seen that, Google it. I'm serious. It's got to be one of the greatest videos I've ever seen in my life. The only thing that was more magnificent than just laughing out loud at a guy who honestly thought that if you put 10,000 military personnel on one side of an island, the island might tip over, was the extraordinary calm of the admiral who was sitting there, (laughs) who having been asked the question, was he worried that the island would tip over, (laughs) kept a straight face and said, no, Congressman, we don't think that will happen. Now, having said that, I am concerned that if we do not put our shoulders to the wheel over the next 14 months, we could see something far worse than the island of Guam tipping over. There's a lot at stake. Every four years, here's what we say. This is the most important election of our lifetime. I see my good friend Ralph Reed down here. Ralph, haven't we said that every four years for as long as we've been working in politics? Yes, we have. And frankly, it's pretty much been true. But it's more true than it's ever been. And I say that with all, all seriousness. And the reason is, is because while in the past there were Democrats and Republicans and and they would disagree and have their debates and arguments. We've never seen a time when one of the major political parties has completely abandoned everything that they once embraced. Would John F. Kennedy recognize the Democratic Party today? I'm pretty sure he wouldn't be a part of it because he actually believed in economic freedom. He believed in a strong national defense. He was not a communist. He thought communism was terrible and evil and he wanted to fight it. Now we've got an entire party that wants to embrace the very tenets of socialism, the underpinning of communism. He wouldn't recognize that. He was pro-life. Can you imagine 
what he would think when he saw candidates for the presidency actually believing that it's not just that an abortion could be somehow justifiable, but that an abortion up to the moment of birth and even after birth would still be a decision that we would just allow a doctor and a lady to make. Somehow that we would do everything we could to protect the eggs of a baby eagle, but we would do nothing to protect the unborn child of a human life. How on earth can we face God and ask him to bless this country, to invoke his blessing, if we do not, as a nation, repent and turn from those wicked ways? It is not a political battle that we are in, and I hope people understand that. It's a spiritual battle. And one of the reasons for which I have been so grateful to concern women for America is because they have never ever deviated from their understanding that the battle in which they were engaged was not a battle between the left or the right or the Democrats and the Republicans or the liberals and the conservatives. It was ultimately a battle of godly principles versus ungodly principles. And that's why I'm so grateful for what Bev LaHaye started. And I want to be very clear tonight. I'm grateful that there have been terrific people and you have one now in Penny Nance who has continued the extraordinary ministry of CWA. And I hope you recognize this. I say it with absolute conviction that Brett Kavanaugh would never have been confirmed to the Supreme Court had it not been specifically for the articulate voice of Penny Nance who went on television day after day and she was the most powerful voice that we could have ever had on our behalf. Penny Nance is the reason Brett Kavanaugh is on the Supreme Court today. God has given her a magnificent gift to speak with power and conviction, yet with compassion. And she is able to speak spiritual truth without compromise, but never coming across as if she's angry or mean, but rather that she genuinely cares about the people of this country and where they're headed. The spiritual foundation of CWA is, is what's most important because quite frankly, we're living in a time where the reason I believe we are in the trouble we're in is because we fail to understand that a society that unplugs itself from a standard is a society that is adrift. Now, I'm a musician, not a very good one, but I am a musician. I've been playing guitar since I was 11 years old, mostly bass guitar. And because of a television show that I host on TBN, I get to play with some pretty cool people. I mean, I've played with the Oak Ridge Boys. Over the past, I've played with Toby Keith. I've, I've played with Gary Lewis from Gary Lewis and the Playboys from back in the 60s and all kinds of people. Most recently, and if you haven't seen this video, it's worth watching. When I got to play with the lead guitar player of the heavy metal band Korn. <laughs> now here's this guy in dreadlocks, tattooed from head to toe. He's got more piercings. I mean, his body looks like the front end of a Buick. I'm telling you, he's got so much metal. But he's one of the most wonderful people. He loves Jesus. 
He came to Christ, and boy, did he ever get a dose of it. And so he and I are on the show playing together a piece of heavy metal music, one of Korn's big songs. And if you don't ever see anything that you want to look at and say, something ain't quite right about this picture. <laughs> That's the video to Google up and watch right there. But here's what I learned about being a musician. I don't care how good you are. I'm not that good. When I have people say, hey, I watched you play with Leonard Skinner. Wow, I didn't know you were that good. I said, I'm not that good. But it's my show. I get to play with them when they come. It's... <laughs> but whether you're good or not, I'll tell you what you have to do before you ever play the first note of the music. You tune your instrument. Every one of the band has to tune the instrument. And you don't tune to what you think. And you don't tune to what you feel. And you don't tune to what you believe. You tune to a standard that is fixed and rigid. The tuning fork. You tune to something that is absolute. And if everyone tunes to that one absolute note, then the band is ready to play the music. But if you try to play the music without tuning, then I don't care how good the band is. It's chaos and noise. Our country is in a time of noise. It's in a time of chaos. And it's not because the Democrats are turning into socialists. And it's not because the Republicans are all that bad. The problem is, as a culture and as a society, we are a nation that is tuning itself to what people think and what they feel and what they believe. Ask the average young person why they think same-sex marriage is okay, and they'll tell you what they think. They'll tell you what they feel, and they'll tell you what they believe. They will not tell you that there is a biblical record. And even President Obama in 2008 referenced the biblical model and said that his own view about marriage was based on the tuning fork of the Bible. But once we abandon that tuning fork, and once we no longer tune to the unchanging word of God, but we change our constant, everlasting views to what we think, feel, and believe, we are going to create a culture and a society of chaos and noise. And that's why what CWA does is so critically important, not as a political organization, but as a spiritual organization to always remind us to tune ourselves to the word of the living God before we go out and try to change culture and change the political environment. There's really nothing I can say tonight to add to the magnificent words that have already been spoken by our Vice President, by Senator Ernst, by Penny Nance, and by this lovely lady that we honored tonight, Dr. Bev LaHaye. But I will simply sum up and remind us all that we're in this together, but we're not in it so that we can advance what we think or what we feel or even what we believe. We must be in it to advance what the living God has said. And as we do that, then I believe we can invoke his blessing. 
And when we ask him to give us the strength to stop the slaughter of unborn children, because it's the right thing to do and it's consistent with his word, not just because it's repulsive, I believe he will hear us. And when we ask him to help us explain to younger people why socialism is such a dead-end street and that the only way that any government has ever been able to have it is by murdering millions of its citizens who came to realize how totally unworkable it was. And if we can help our culture to see how vital it is that we even create a political atmosphere where we're free to disagree and debate, discuss, dialogue, and, and even have intense arguments about our political point of view, that we would never cease to do it in a spirit of love, compassion, understanding, and brokenheartedness for those who are walking in the darkness. We should never take joy if we win a debate, if we fail to win the heart of the one whose argument we have defeated. We should never take some sense of joy that we have won an election if we fail also to try to bring along those who really weren't that far from us and who with a little bit of kindness might be able and willing to join with us for the next battle. As I said, these next 14 months, they're going to be tough. The one reason I've got a little bit more confidence about where this all ends is because the folks in this room, led by the remarkable leaders of Concerned Women for America, and on that, I say, let's go get them and let's make it happen. Thank you. God bless. Thank you very much. That was Governor Mike Huckabee. Now, remember, Governor Huckabee has a fantastic show called Huckabee exclusively on Trinity Broadcasting Network, TBN. It airs Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time or 7 Central and again on Sunday at 9 p.m. 8 Central. So take a moment and watch. It is a fantastic show. Well, it's time to take a quick break. When we come back, you'll hear from Secretary Mike Pompeo, who gave a keynote at CWA Celebration Luncheon. Hey ladies, you're smart, passionate, and savvy. You care about your family and you care about our nation. That's why you should join Concerned Women for America. I'm Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America, and I pray you will visit ConcernedWomen.org to learn how you can add your voice to the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. That's ConcernedWomen.org. Hi, welcome back to Use Your Voice. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was the highlight of our celebration luncheon. Listen as he talks about the role of faith in his life and work. It's special to be with so many patriots and uh, uh, to share, who share the same concerns and priorities for our country as, as Susan and I. Um, I want to thank you. I want to thank you all for your support. Uh, I undertook a project, and, and, and Pam would know this. When, when I came into the State Department, I didn't come in at the beginning of the administration. I came in after about a year and a half. Uh, uh, but I had a number of things that I wanted to accomplish, one of which was uh, to undertake making sure there was clarity uh, about the things that are most fundamental, the, that we hold most dear. And so I created this Commission on Unalienable Rights. That is a fancy word for some really talented people uh, who will go out and take us back to our foundational ideas uh, the things that you all know, the things you all work so hard for, and put that at the core 
of what the State Department does, and I appreciated the public letter that 17 of you signed. Uh, you should know when we announced it, we, we knew we were in the right place. There were 400 people who signed and said that was a horrible idea. And if you go look at that list, you'll see uh, that we, we are headed in the right direction. Um, we, we, have, we have undertaken a very important mission. And, and I want to talk about one of those things that I am confident that this commission will do. Uh, they will talk about this right to religious freedom, the most important freedom in many respects. And I want to do it by telling a story. I want to tell a story about a man named Yusuf, a Uyghur Muslim from Xinjiang, China. He was, uh, he was living in Pakistan uh, when the Chinese government began its systematic repression of Uyghurs back in 2017. As part of its campaign, China began forcibly extraditing uh, Uyghur expats like him back home. Uh, and sure enough, Yusuf found himself forced onto a one-way flight to Beijing. But the Lord was smiling. The flight had a layover in Doha. And it was there in Doha, in what was likely to be his final hours of freedom, that Yusuf made a desperate move. He broadcast a plea for help into social media, and it caught the attention of the State Department. And our team jumped into action. Our embassy team there on the ground in Doha conducted superb diplomacy. It worked with the Qatari government to keep Yosef off his flight to Beijing. Uh, we alerted the international community through the UN High Commissioner for Refugees to his plight. And our teams in multiple embassies around the world Look, look for flight patterns through partner countries where Yusuf could stay, even if it was just temporarily. Ultimately, every country, every country was reluctant to cross China, and they declined to take Yusuf. This left us one choice, and so we brought him back to America. Uh, we were... We were informed around that time that the uh, patients inside of Doha had run out too. Yusuf would have been forced onto the very next flight to Beijing in just mere hours. So the team here in Washington and the team on the ground crammed what would have normally been a weeks-long vetting process for entry into America into just a handful of minutes. And as soon as we received permission from the Customs and Border Patrol, one of our diplomats, a, a young, talented diplomat who worked in the Office of International Freedom used her own credit card to book him a seat on the very next flight. <laughs> Thirteen hours later, Yusuf landed here in the United States of America. That story didn't get a heck of a lot of attention here in the press, but I wanted to share it with you today for one reason, because it demonstrates to demonstrate the lengths that America goes to defend religious freedom around the world. And I'm proud that the State Department, that Pam and I are so privileged to be a part of, uh, is looking out for it in each and every corner of the world. You should, uh, you should ask, your, ask yourself this. Ask yourself, what other country in the world would have done this much to help someone in this terrible situation? Indeed, there were many countries that had the chance, but only America did it. No other country stands up for religious minorities on the scale that we do. In fact, sadly, most other truly powerful nations, from China to Russia to Iran, are indeed perpetrators of religious oppression. And the fact that America 
uses our massive power to defend the persecuted is one of the most wonderful, defining attributes of American exceptionalism. It's, uh, it's not to say that sometimes we don't lose our way, and sometimes certain administrations haven't done all that they could have. Indeed, for years under the last administration, fighting for religious freedom was just an afterthought. But President Trump, our administration recognized it as our country's first freedom. And it's found at the very top of the Bill of Rights, so we kind of got it right. Uh, and we believe that advancing it is in our foreign policy interest, whether it's popular or not. We've committed, uh, we've committed your money, uh, $340 million to support Iraq's religious and ethnic minorities, including Christians. It's why I, as I travel the world, uh, raise religious freedom all the time in conversations with foreign leaders. Sometimes it's welcome, sometimes less so. And it's why for the last two years, we've had this incredible response from the world. We've held ministerials to advance religious freedom. Countries, dozens and dozens of countries come to the State Department. Some of you have been there. Uh, some of you have attended these events. Our work on behalf of this first freedom couldn't come at a more crucial time in the world's history. Today, 83% of the world's population live in nations where religious freedom is either threatened or denied nearly entirely. And we know this here, but we take it for granted. When religious freedom is denied, a host of other freedoms are often denied alongside it. This is especially true for women and girls. We've seen this with the enslavement of Yazidi women by ISIS in the Middle East and with the assault and kidnapping of Nigerian girls by Boko Haram. Barbaric situations like these are why I need your help today. And I'm confident. I, 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 I used to be an elected official, so there's always an ask. I, I'm confident that with you, with this team, with you as committed patriots, that you'll do more than you've done already. You've helped in so many ways. Uh, many of you remember the case of Miriam Ibrahim of Sudan. As punishment for her Christian faith, she was arrested, beaten, and after she refused to renounce Christianity, sentenced to hang. Miriam is now a free woman. And last year, she attended our religious ministerial at the State Department and was able to tell her glorious story. It was there she met you, Shea. Uh, uh, she, uh, she met Shea Garrison here of the Concerned Women for America. Shea uh, says uh, she never expected Miriam to know anything about this organization, your organization. But instead, Miriam pulled up a picture of Penny on her phone <laughs> and, and said, uh, that this woman was my friend in prison. This is the glory of what you do. She never forgot. So many of you had picketed the White House until President Obama acted on her case. And it, it, may, it may not always seem like it. It, it. it may not always seem like it. We're here in this beautiful ballroom. But when you stand up for religious liberty abroad, your efforts are a force multiplier for America's interests and values. Great case in point. Miriam, like all of you, is now a powerful voice for religious liberty, even vowing to return to Sudan one day to help her fellow Christians. And so, in closing, two thoughts. First, I ask that you continue to stand up for religious liberty whenever and wherever you can. I pledge to you that my entire team at the State Department will do that as well. Uh, earlier, Benny, you described a moment where uh, where uh, 
a great lady told a parliamentarian, you can be both a parliamentarian and a Christian. And I promise you, as Secretary of State, I will do my best to be your senior diplomat and uh, stay true to my Christian values every single day. God bless you. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. God bless you. And I look forward to taking some questions. Thanks. Wow, that was certainly a very special anniversary, and I'm so glad I could share it with you during this Use Your Voice. To learn more about our gala and all the festivities surrounding it, visit us online at concernedwomen.org and check back here for future Use Your Voice podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Penny Nance, CEO and President of Concerned Women for America. Thanks for listening. Use Your Voice is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. For more information, visit ConcernedWomen.org. That's ConcernedWomen.org.